The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Derek Dorch of the Diversa Group, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch. Derek walks you through how to win government jobs, effectively manage your government career, and best utilize government services. Every week on Fed Access, you'll learn about interesting federal agencies, workers, and careers. Fed Access provides you the access you need to succeed in the federal government. And now your host, Derek T. Dorch. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Thank you for stopping by the show. We are always glad to have you. Recently, we've been talking to people in the clearance market, recruiters and people from clearance jobs and other places like that, and talking about what's going on with the job market right now and trying to figure out what's happening right now. And we've got another one of our favorite guests on here, Mike Bruni. He's been with us for quite some time, and he's been in a number of different organizations. He's been around in terms of recruiting, talent acquisition, and all the other things. I'm going to let Mike introduce himself. Mike, how you doing? Good, Derek. How you doing today? Hey, Thanks for hey, having me on. Not a problem. Hey, give them your title and where you're at right now, Mike, because so, I always know that you're doing so many different things, my brother. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks again. Yeah, uh, uh, currently I am the Vice President of Talent Acquisition and Talent Management here at a firm called TW Corporation based out of Hanover, Maryland. And we're really a, a pure play, you know, national security contractor, primarily operating here in the greater Baltimore, D.C. area. Uh, thanks. Thank you so much, Mike. Hey, you know, talk to us, uh, you know, from because, you know, you, you've been around this this sector for many, many years, working with many different players in the sector, the IC and everything else. What's hot with the market right now, Mike, in terms of jobs, in terms of what you're seeing with the clear market, government contractors and everything else? What What do people if you were looking for a job or you're looking to maybe transition out of government, what would be hot right now? Absolutely. And it's a great question. And, you know, uh, right now, this market is as hot as I've ever seen it in my 20 plus years of being in this business. You know, a lot of it, Derek, comes down to what we always call, you know, the skills gap. Uh, what, what are the hot skills for this particular market? Certainly across the information technology spectrum, and that would encompass uh, cybersecurity, software development, software engineering, or hot skills. We also see a demand even in the healthcare field, not necessarily national security, but the healthcare field is very hot, uh, along with the accounting finance field. So they tend to be some of the three of the industries currently right now where we see very high demand for talent. Uh, you know, personally here every day, the challenge that we see is really finding those niche skills. Uh, right now, unemployment is, is down in, in that three to four percent area, which of course compounds the uh, challenge in our job. Uh, but yeah, we're seeing you know, a problem, obviously, with supply and demand. So as, as the demand goes up, the supply has not really kept pace with with the demand. But uh, it's it's certainly the most challenging market I've seen in a long time. And that's good and bad. You know, with that being the case, Mike, and, and you know, we always talk about talent acquisition. And, and, and sometimes it's, it's, it's either a great market for you, right, where you can find all the talent you want. And then it gets to this kind of prime dynamic where, um, you know, you're almost searching and you're almost kind of trying to have to find different people in different ways. Is the traditional method still working, uh, career fairs and, 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 you know, posting a job and people finding the job? Or are you having to utilize more specialized methods? Uh, and, and some people have been saying that some recruiters are having to go and find people who are already working in certain areas and try to get them to come over to their uh, companies. What, what, how are things are looking right now in terms of talent acquisition? 
Absolutely. Again, great question. And as you know, over the course of time, you know, I always say job search and recruitment uh, is an ever-evolving field. It's also ever-changing, and it's certainly an acquired skill. Uh, you certainly have to stay on top of how to go find a job and how to go recruit. Traditional methods that we've always used in the past from posting a job, uh, excuse me, a resume or a job posting online, expecting that reactive feedback, uh, probably will, will, will net you very minimal uh, success. Uh, today, on the recruitment side, we have to be extremely proactive. We have to appeal to our candidate base. Uh, again, being that unemployment is in that 3 to 4% range here locally, we are constantly looking for folks uh, in our competitive space, uh, working for our competitors. We have to really go where that talent is. And what that does is that creates sort of a, a challenge of how do we create our strategy? How do we proactively go identify, assess, and recruit the talent that we need? And there's a lot of research that goes into that. The best organizations at recruiting talent really get to know their marketplace. So we as employers have to employ really a strategy that's more than just the traditional tactics of the job posting and sort of that post and pray mentality that we've seen in the past. As a job seeker, you really have to fine-tune, even though... Uh, we're looking at the lowest unemployment in years. It's still a competitive marketplace. Regardless of whether you are happily employed or you're just passively looking for a job, you are still competing with others in the marketplace for those opportunities. But as a job seeker, you really have to craft a strategy. The days of a traditional resume are over. The days of traditional interviewing are over. You have to be extremely aggressive. You really have to demonstrate that you're an expert in whatever field that uh, you specialize in. You know, you just touched on a, a couple of different points that I, that I really want to kind of, you know, pull apart and break apart and let's start getting into it. Uh, you know, you mentioned about kind of the dynamics of not even because most people are going to hear like the days of the traditional resume. So many people ask questions about that all the time, Mike, in terms of, you know, hey, you know, should I have the, the one page resume, or the two page resume or the long resume? You know, what do you find? I, I, do you find that? And I always talk to people about targeting and, and find out what the, the organizations want, but definitely the. The, the days in which it's just a one page, everything is crammed onto one thing. That's definitely over. What, what are you seeing, Mike? And, and what advice do you give people about resumes? It's interesting you bring that up. And, and I do, as, as you know, I, I, I conduct a lot of presentations on this subject. And actually, uh, on any employer panel that I sit on or any employer forum that I participate in, the number one question always comes back to resumes. And from what I've experienced and what I see up to present day, most of the job-seeking public is still really focused on the traditional build-out of a traditional resume, basically putting down everything you've done over the course of your entire career, uh, asking the question of how, how long should the resume be page-wise or how far should I go back in my experience. My advice to, the, to those folks is really try to get away from the traditional structure of a resume, the traditional length of a resume, because employers today are under a lot of pressure to find talent quickly to bring them into the organization. I always tell job seekers, number one, know the audience that you are marketing to. Uh, if you possess 10, 20 years of experience, I as an employer may not necessarily be interested in all of that experience. I want to see the specialized experience 
that appeals to me. You hear a lot that, hey, we have to tailor our resumes to each individual opportunity. That is true. But more importantly, have you been able to convey and articulate the area of expertise that you are chasing? And do you have a good enough sense and feel that the organization that you're targeting, that audience can understand and really comprehend your skill sets. So it really is a job in and of itself uh, to really be able to demonstrate what your experience it is, what your experience is, and how is that target uh, firm or organization going to interpret that. You know, when, when we kind of talk about that, especially when people and, and, and I don't know, to me, part of this, I may still kind of blame either either some of the books or, or, or some of the sometimes kind of career services in different places who are kind of teaching this this kind of traditional resume stuff. Would you say, Mike, I mean, that, you know, there's still people who are kind of teaching this as the same model and they haven't talked to recruiters like you or talent acquisition people like you to kind of find out what's going on? There is, uh, absolutely. There, there are a lot of, of uh, there's a lot of good information out there, and I think what it comes down to is perspective. Certainly, there are still programs out there teaching the the uh, sort of what I would call the sort of the peanut butter spread model, right? Where we're, <laughs> where, where we're teaching one one strategy, one step forward uh, about, you know, giving someone sort of a template. And it really, we've, we've sort of, we, we've really bypassed that these days. That, that's, that's an older model. It may work for some people. It may work for certain industries. But to be really competitive, to really set yourself apart, you've got to be extremely methodical in the way that you actually uh, present yourself and the way that you market yourself. And, you know, the resume itself, again, so much attention given to that. I think a lot of us think that the resume is ultimately going to get our job. And really, one of the questions I always ask in every presentation is, what is the objective of your resume? And typically, the answer to that question is to get an interview. That is incorrect. The objective of your resume is simply to make contact, really to gain the interest of a, of a potential employer to reach out to you in a certain way, be a phone call, an email, a text, what have you. That is the only objective of a resume. You know, I want to I want to even break that down, too, because it was funny, Mike, I was just recently involved in some jobs in, in hiring some people, whatever the case is, in, in, in a search committee for something. And you're right. I mean, a lot of times we did not go into detail in that resume. I mean, it was just an initial piece. We, we looked over it really, really quickly, and then we kind of kept on looking for some other things to bring that person in. I I want to kind of talk about that because as you, especially in this market, whether it be a hot market or not, and a lot of people say, hey, unemployment is down, but you still have to make an impression. And especially even at the higher levels, you've got to even make even a stronger impression. So I want to kind of talk about that a little bit more. We're talking to Mike Bruni. He's a talent acquisition expert. He's a VP at KW, working on talent acquisition. He's an expert, been around in this game for a long time. We're going to keep on getting his expertise and what he's seen in the industry and where the industry is going in terms of hiring, in terms of making yourself the best candidate, and so much more. You're listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. If you're just joining us, we have been talking about recruiting. We've been talking about hiring. We've been talking about how to make yourself the best candidate. We've been talking about this market right now. Whether it be for clear workers or all job seekers, we've been talking about it today. We are talking to Mike Bruni. He's vice president of talent acquisition at KW. And they're a, a government contracting firm that's does, that does everything from the IC to healthcare and everything else. They've been around for quite some time. But Mike has been around for a long time 
in this market, really understands it, has been working in recruiting and talent acquisition side and does many presentations and does other things around the community to help people to be the best candidate they can be. Mike, you know, we were talking about this kind of resume and, and talking about to make contact. And I think you, you kind of, you know, really kind of broke this big myth that people always hear about, you know, what the resume is. And you you mentioned that it's not necessarily to, to say it's, it's to make contact. And I think I, I want people to kind of understand that a little bit more because people are going to probably like, huh, what, what you talking about, Mike? You know, break that down a little bit more. And then also with the resume, because everybody says put so much energy into the resume. What do you as a talent actor? acquisition person look for with that initial contact that makes you make that call to them? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know, it. I, I constantly see folks uh, that, that actually really, really put a lot of time into their resumes, and they do, and, that, and that's, that is a good thing. But they have to understand that the employer in most cases, particularly in the private sector, uh, are going to review that resume very briefly, uh, only for a couple of seconds. And really what we're doing is we're glancing at that resume to get a feel for, is this individual worth investing more time? Uh, really, it's a six to 12 second glance, believe it or not. And I know that comes as a surprise to a lot of people, but uh, we have quick eyes in recruiting. That's one of the things that we're trained to do is really, really pick out. We're looking for those keywords. And, and Mike, let, for- let me let me interject with you. Why is it so short that you have to do that? I mean, I want you I want you to kind of tell because you guys are usually done with volume, right? Absolutely. And that's actually what drives it, Derek. It is the volume. So in in employment today, particularly in talent acquisition, the pressures on the recruiting and talent acquisition functions inside organizations is very high and heavy. you know, the, the foundation and basis for any organization is its people and its ability to quickly staff, particularly in a very heavily service economy, a service business. You rely on your people for everything, labor expertise. And really, that's what we specialize, particularly in this market. So the demand for that talent quickly, the demand to identify that talent on board, extreme pressure, which puts, of course, more stress on the individuals that are actually doing it. Time is of the essence. We have we have less time than anything else. So you're in, especially in a very high volume uh, hiring environment. Some of your large companies around here who are hiring two, five, ten thousand employees a year, very quick. It, it's a very fast glance, and time and again we see it. We see the reverse chronological structure. Uh, we like bulleted formats. We like keywords to jump out. We like months and years. We really want to see a pattern on a resume very, very quickly. So, again, it's not so much the length. It's not so much how far we go back. It is more of a quality over a quantity type of model that will get you the best results. In other words, please give me what I want to see on that first page or the first top half of that page very quickly to give me an excuse or give me a reason to continue to invest time in your resume that will ultimately lead for me to contact you, if that makes sense. When you're going through, Mike, and you're looking at, at, at certain things and you kind of do that kind of maybe 6, 10, 15 seconds and you're looking through very, very quickly, you know, especially when you got a, a volume, you got to maybe get that, you know, one or two people and you've got a large volume of people. Tell people, I mean, you just gave some hints, but tell people are some of the things that just quickly just like will shut a resume down. Like you'll look at it and be like, nope, nope, or, or whatever the case is. What are some of the things that just really completely kill a candidate very, very quickly? 
Well, initially for me and a number of the folks here in the community that I interact with, typically coming at coming, developing and building a resume as a generalist mm-hmm. typically does not tell the story and give enough. Uh, it really does not resonate with employers because a resume is not supposed to ask more questions. A resume is really there to answer questions that we have as employers. My advice to everyone putting a resume together is come at your resume as a specialist. Now, we've all, over the course of our careers, we've done multiple jobs. We've done multiple duties, particularly folks who have had a career in the government who might be looking for a second career. Typically, we've done a lot of things. The fact of the matter is the employer wants to see specialization. We don't want to see generalists because, again, there's, there are those pressures. We need to be convinced that we have the right candidates so the time that we invest is very well worth it. So I would say to sum that up, build your resume, construct your resume around a specialty as opposed to a generalist. You certainly don't want that reviewer or that employer, or that hiring authority to be guessing what type of work you'd like to do. We like folks that are sure of themselves. We like folks who know what they want to do and what they want to target. You know, what you think about objectives, Mike? You know, I mean, you know, it, there's there's always these two worlds who believe either you, you yeah, objectives are good or no, that it, it's not necessary because your cover letter does it, this, that, and the other. What's your standpoint on that? You know, it's interesting. I always say it's optional. Uh, The reason I say that is objectives, particularly in in my industry and my business in this particular market, and it's a matter of opinion. So folks will have different opinions on this. They'll come from different perspectives. For us, being that we're only going to give you a couple seconds, the value of real estate on a resume is valuable. Mm. So the fact that you would put something up there that would not provide value to me in order for me to respond to your interest really holds no value. So I'll be perfectly honest with you. I very rarely, if at all, ever read objectives. I would rather see something more concrete there, be it an educational summary, Mm -hmm. be it a keyword list, be it your actual experience. To me, that's much more concrete. It's much more valuable. It's more pleasing to the eye, and it keeps me as the reader interested. You know, when we think about uh, the dynamics of cover letters, and I know some you know recruiters won't ask for that, and some do. But what's your take on cover letters? Should they, you know, should a person get personal with it? Should a person, you know, I mean, of course, you, you know, do you, do you just want to repeat what you have in the resume? I mean, a lot of people have different takes on that cover letter. What's your thoughts on it? You know, it's it's an interesting topic, comes up a lot. Uh, For me personally, and I'm only speaking for myself here, I don't read them, Mm. and not because I don't respect the fact that someone has put those together. And certainly if an employer asks for a cover letter, I encourage all uh, folks that are seeking opportunities to actually do provide it. Mm. However, I look at cover letters, uh, I think you have to look at it per industry. Again, we're looking for someone very quickly. We're Mm -hmm. looking to 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 establish whether they meet our qualifications. I think cover letters in an organization that does uh, low-volume hiring, where there may be more time to invest in someone's background, at least at this stage in the game, could certainly be valuable. I think a lot of it comes from personal uh, 
preference. Some folks like to read that. I think maybe the higher up you go in an organization, if in fact you are networking and, and you are networking, connecting with a, with an executive, that is someone that might give that some more time. At the recruiting level, at the, at the employer, at the gate where there is a lot of activity uh, going on, I'm not necessarily sure that the value is there because typically cover letters are very long, they're very, very paragraph heavy. And as you know, uh, a lot of us attention spans are very, li- <laughs> was are <quick>. very limited. <laughs> right. I would say that you would really have to know the organization, make sure it's very researched. Mm-hmm. If, in fact, you have done your homework on an organization and have found out that that is a value, then certainly put some extra time. But unless it is specified, I, I would not invest a lot of time in a cover letter. We're talking to Mike Bruni. He's vice president of talent acquisition at KW. Uh, they're a government contractor doing a lot of different things, defense, IC, healthcare, and everything else. He's an expert in this field, been around it for many, many years, and his insight is always valuable. So I hope people are taking a real good listen to what he's saying because he knows this industry, and he's the person who's that uh, person who you have to meet to get through the door to get to the hiring manager. So he knows what he's talking about. We're going to keep on talking to Mike when we come back and get some more of his good advice. You listen Listen to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m. If you're just joining us, we are having a good conversation, a great conversation about hiring, about the market, about what's going on. We found out that, I mean, we know that healthcare is going on. We find out that clearances are going on. But this is a strong market for uh, candidates right now. If you're a job seeker and you've got certain key skills, you've got certain key uh, clearances, this is probably one of the most strongest markets, uh, uh, according to Mike and many others, uh, that is out there right now. So this is a great market. But even with that, you've got to have the right kind of uh, uh, things presented on your resume. You've got to have the right kind of interviewing skills. You've got to be, present yourself the right way. We're talking about this today. We're talking to Mike Bruni. He's vice president of talent acquisition at KW. They're a contract, government contractor in the area dealing with a number of different industries. But Mike has been around and he's given us insight today. Hey, Mike, you know, when when it comes to, you know, we've made contact, you've got that resume, you've hit certain things, you're, you're specialized it. You know, what's next in terms of, you know, and you make that call to that person. What's the thing that keeps that person in the running or, you know, or, or pushes them away? I mean, what are you seeing out there? Well, you know, when we do make that call, when, when we do find that qualified candidate, and, and depending upon how we have come about that person, be it a cold call or a reactive, if someone's provided a resume, uh, chances are they are looking for a move. Uh, myself, uh, the team that I have here, I encourage folks to find out what is what is their motivation? What is that candidate's mm. motivation? If someone is applying to a job and they are employed, there's a cert, there's something missing in that person's background. What, what I like to do and sort of the philosophy and the methodology that I employ is, do we present the environment? Do we present the company culture for that individual? And I encourage uh, folks that are looking for opportunities or who are entertaining other opportunities. The first thing you should look at is not the role itself, really the corporate culture, the environment that you would possibly be going into, uh, only seconded by the actual work and the role. I think they're the two most important things. I, I do not employ a a, uh, a shoehorn approach, and what I mean by that is to try to shoehorn someone into a role who's not convinced it's the right fit for them. That leads to attrition. Uh, we like to really 
identify what the motivations are. We want folks to be happy. This is the culture that we represent. I would encourage employers to look at that, to consider that. Many do. Uh, but really, it's trying to find not only the match, and this is what makes talent acquisition so challenging and recruitment so challenging. So many things have to come together for a successful hire uh, and, and, and a sustained uh, 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 successful hire. You have to have the match of skills. In our industry, typically, you have to have some type of clearance. Uh, you have to really come to terms on whatever the package might be that you negotiate. You have to offer up the environment that uh, is com- comfortable for all parties. You have to keep the, the communication open. And sometimes these processes can you know, take four to six weeks for the entire uh, process to, to, to go through before someone is walking through your door. So there is a lot that goes on in this process. But really, we look at all of that. It's not just the hard skills on mm-hmm. paper. A lot of it, Eric, is the soft skills. And kind of going back to the resume there, the reason I say it's an object, the objective of that resume is to get a phone call is because typically 80% of a hiring decision is based on the interaction with the person, those soft skills as opposed to hard skills. So really as a job seeker, the resume is just one step to get in touch with that employer where you can really demonstrate your expertise and abilities. You know, I think a lot of people are learning something right now to hear that 80% is the interaction, is how you communicate, is these number of things. You guys have even a more challenge right now because the retention rate right now is becoming so difficult in the clear community. Are you finding that the clear community, I mean, what are you seeing? Are people more hunting for money? Are they hunting for more responsibility? I know you mentioned about the motivations. What are you seeing that the motivations are right now? And and I know it's difficult because some people are, are job hopping, uh, uh, you know, and because, you know, they're getting another offer here and, and no one really cares that they've only been in a place for a few months or a year or so. What are you seeing that, that, that the motivations Motivations are in the market right now. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Uh, this is a topic that comes up uh, quite frequently. You know, I think on average here in this general market in the greater DC metro area, the average stay, the average time uh, that one stays in a role is about two and a half years. Mm, wow. uh, and there's there's a lot of reasons for that. The, the competitive nature of this industry. Uh, yes, motivations. Uh, and, and to be perfectly honest with you, they are across the board. We tend to see. Uh, from from what we can we can gauge just through, uh, and this is industry wide. We see not only compensation is is certainly in the top five. It's typically not number one. Okay. Uh, career growth and advancement tends to stick out as one of the the top tiers as as why people may make uh, make a move or consider making a move. Also, it's you know people are not satisfied with their direct management. We see that as a as a very uh, common reason for folks exiting a firm or making a move. Uh, Because the economy is so robust, because it is so competitive, uh, folks that are in roles right now can afford to make these moves because the demand is there. You know, years ago, it was commonly looked down upon to move jobs. Uh, People stayed, you know, for their entire careers uh, in, in private industry. Today, not so much. The economy has changed. The way that we employ has changed. And I think here, particularly in other economies, probably around the country, it's just the competitive nature. You're constantly being solicited. You're constantly being contacted. Employee referral incentives around this community are huge. So you have, you have folks that are actively soliciting you that you know 
uh, for financial incentive and other types of incentives. So it has become such a competitive field, uh, which, of course, has really driven uh, the time of stay down. So it's all of those factors. In addition to that, Derek, I don't think people take a uh, stand back and, and, and think and consider that technology has also changed. You know, when I got into this business 20-some years ago, uh, the way that you applied was typically through a fax machine or you mailed a, uh, you mailed a resume. Today, we have more access to job opportunities and employers have more access to candidates. So the communication chain has gone to light speed compared to what it was just 20 years ago. So uh, the, the finding out what opportunities are out there, anyone can get online, anyone can jump on their phone and find out. Uh, so technology has really driven this as well. You know, I, I wonder, especially what you're saying, and, and I think what you just mentioned about kind of the lack, the top three, right, career growth and advancement, uh, the lack of satisfaction with, uh, you know, uh, uh, direct management or management, and, and then also just, uh, you know, friends and other people also kind of, you know, helping the search with the company because of referral programs. Is this changing the way that companies deal? I mean, is it, you know, I mean, a lot of times the management thing always gets people and also the investment in people always. Is it starting to, to, to resonate with companies or agencies that, hey, we've got to change the philosophy. We cannot take this hard line. We can't have managers kind of talking to people just any kind of way and not to not appreciating them. What are you seeing in the market right now? Absolutely. I think a lot of firms uh, that are out here, not just, again, in this marketplace, but I think I, I, think I can speak for uh, the economy writ large here across the United States. And, and I think everyone is taking a hard look internally about what they can do to improve that company culture. That's why you see brand consulting out there today. You know, what is your employment brand? We hear that term. The employment brand is that's why people are fighting to get on the, you know, the, the best places to work lists, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And how can we compete with some of those firms? It is the, it, it is, it, it, you know, companies are looking into, you know, what is our company culture and how can we be the most appealing? Uh, I think you, you probably have seen, at least I have seen around this particular industry, companies investing heavily in the management area, in the program management area, in the leadership area. Uh, I think I've seen more attention, at least in the last five years, uh, given to leadership and management, more the people side of that, uh, you know, as well as the business side. So I think certainly most companies, most folks that I know have recognized this. Uh, it's certainly an in-demand skill set that's rarely talked about uh, as far as management. Again, not just the business management. Right. A piece of that is the people management. And I think we all probably have a little ways to go in that. You know, with, with that being the case and, and, and you know, it, thinking about making people's skills better and making yourself, you're staying marketable. Are a lot of people saying, hey, listen, with career advancement, um, if you invest in me and, and, I, and I don't know where the industry is kind of taking this. Are they requiring people to say, hey, we'll invest in you either degree cert- certification or something, this, that and the other. And then are they requiring people to kind of say, if you stay with us for so many years, we'll put that kind of heavy investment in you? Because I know companies are always thinking about ROI and that return on investment. If we put all this money into you, where is that trend going with education and training and professional development? And it's it's a it's a very popular in demand um, 
a benefit if if you if you you know listing you know what are the attractive benefits a company can offer and training is certainly up there in the top three if not number one in most organizations and again that lends itself to career mobility uh, excuse me uh, 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 retention and, mm-hmm. and career development and so forth so yes the investment is certainly there and I think more companies more than ever are willing to make those investments for certain employees who really want to take the upward track uh, typically what will happen is you know in most companies there's some sort of promissory agreement that states, hey, you know, we'll pay for your schooling or we'll pay for your certification or we'll reimburse uh, the costs for this uh, education uh, in return. You know, it's it's a one or two year commitment. Uh, and if, in fact, you were to leave the organization, there would be, you know, a, a prorated payback plan, something to that effect. But certainly it does. And, and studies have been done out there where, you know, the investment in an employee, be it training or be it in some other form, does actually have an impact on retention and attrition. So it's certainly a benefit, and it's certainly, I think, something that companies should invest in. We're talking to Mike Bruni. He's the vice president of talent acquisition at KW. They're a government contractor in the area, a company who deals with a number of different things, everything from defense and intelligence all the way to healthcare. And he's the person who's running their talent acquisition. He's been in this game for a long time in terms of recruiting and talent acquisition. So we're getting his insights today on Fed Access. When we come back, we're going to get a little bit more of his insights as we close out the show. So please stay tuned. We got a lot more coming. Listen to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1580. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. If you're just joining us, we've been having a great conversation about what's going on with this market, about hiring, about security clearances, about the whole government market, and just really the whole market as a whole. It's a great time for job seekers, a great time where you can probably either make some career moves or get into the job you've always wanted to get into. If you've got a security clearance, I mean, you're a hot commodity right now. If you've got the cyber skills, you're a hot commodity right now. If you're in healthcare, you're a hot commodity right now. So we're talking about this kind of stuff. But even if you are in a hot market, you've got the hot skills, it does not mean that you don't have to present yourself the right way. It does not mean that you don't have to sell yourself the right way. It doesn't mean that you can just kind of just show up. You still have to kind of present yourself in the right way, brand yourself in the right way, and then also make a match with a good employer. We're talking to Mike Bruni. He's vice president of talent acquisition at KW, a government contract in the area dealing with a wide range of different industries. But he's been in this recruiting and talent acquisition market for many, many years, and we're getting his insights right now. You know, Mike, we talked about you know, the, the making the match. We talked about, you know, why employee, you know, employees are making these moves or their motivations and everything else. But when you've got that person right in front of you, you're in that interview and you're sitting down with them and asking questions and everything else. What are you looking for then in order to kind of make a, a real decision about that person? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, the interview, it's, 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 the interview is an interesting step in, in the uh, in the hiring process for both sides, both the, the candidate as well as the employer. I'd say typically what, what an employer will look for, of course, once the hard skills, if you are, uh, are established. In other words, it, it, it really, in most cases, doesn't take much to figure out that, hey, this person has the hard skills to qualify for this opportunity. In those cases, it's either you know it or you don't. Uh, going back to that soft approach, uh, a lot of hiring authorities really want someone who share their values, who can fit into, possibly fit into their team, fit into the organization. You know, we talk, you, you hear that term fit. We hire for fit. Uh, so what is fit? I think it is all of that. Um, I think it's, uh, 
it, it's a team dynamic. It is uh, obviously from the perspective of the particular manager, does this individual, you know, uh, could this individual be part of this team? And it's for uh, obviously the benefit of the candidate as well. Is this person set up for success? Uh, do our goals align in some way? Uh, do we share similar values for certain things? Uh, so all of those have to come together. So typically the employers are looking for that. Uh, as a candidate, when you're interviewing, you certainly want to leave the impression on an employer, number one, that you are interested in this job. Showing interest throughout the process, regardless of whether you want to consider this role or not, is extremely important. And I see folks make that mistake where they haven't come across as interested, and mm. that sometimes can turn off the uh, the hiring authorities uh, in their decision-making process because if it comes down to two to three people uh, in their decision, that may be held against you, your lack of interest, or at least demonstrating that lack of interest in an interview. But a candidate is there to demonstrate and leave the mark on the mind of those interviewers that, hey, I'm the person for this job, I fit into your to your team, I fit into your organization, and ultimately there, uh, I am coming in for the benefit of you and this organization, as well as to develop my own career. So, it, 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 again, it's one of those where everything has to come together. You know, that, I think that's that's such an important point because you're dealing with so many different personalities, Mike. And you know how some people are very extroverted. Some people are very introverted. And I think sometimes people who are more introverted get concerned that maybe they won't come off as showing the same level of interest. You've been doing this for quite some time. Can you tell? I mean, it, it, can, and let me ask it this way. Can you tell if a person is, is either showing fake interest is kind of like is 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 rehearsed versus a person who's really kind of showing true interest? interest and has done their work and and really, really is engaged. Can you kind of see the difference? And then also, can you tell between the person who may just be introverted and they may have something, but, you know, they have a hard time expressing it, but they may be something that's worth investing in? Sure. And I, I think what you're talking about there is is actually, you know, I, I think people take interviewing for granted. I I classify interviewing as a skill in and of itself. Mm. I think it's a craft. And I think what you're pointing out there are experienced interviewee, interviewees and inexperienced interviewees. It's very common and it's very natural. And actually, most employers expect the individual to be a little nervous when they walk into an interview. And regardless of whatever that format is, be it a one-on-one, -on -one, be it a panel interview, be it a video interview, be it a situational interview or any type of format uh, that that company may employ, uh, it's really a matter of, again, demonstrating uh, the, the, the knowledge, the expertise that this individual has. Uh, also, we have to take into consideration what role this person will be in. You mentioned introvert. Uh, if they are introver introverted, can we really assess how they would operate in front of one of our customers? Because again, this is a services business. We are, you know, uh, in most cases, 90% of the time as an employee of, of say a contractor, a government contractor, chances are you are interfacing with one of our customers. So you have to be, you have to be the person that can handle that. You have to be the person who can really think fast and, and, and you'll know, be quick on the uptake, uh, uh, you know, when problems arise. So these are all things that we need to take into consideration to assess an individual. So introverted, being extroverted really depends. Again, it goes back to that fit. Uh, certainly if we have a manager who may be an introvert, they may not, they may possess the skills, they may possess the expertise, but they may not necessarily possess that ability to field issues with customers when problems arise. 
you know, when, when we think about that and, and would you recommend to a job seeker? I mean, how do you prepare for that? I mean, of course, they're going to be nervous, but do you like the person who's overly prepared and has done their research and has good questions? I mean, what are the things that kind of leave that like, ah, that's that's a, that person left a really good impression upon me. What are those kind of lasting impressions that that when you end up meeting somebody for the whole day, maybe you've interviewed about 10, 20 people, but that person left that person that that impression upon me? Sure. You know, one of, one of the most appealing things that I see in an interview is somebody who's very well-read and well-researched on the organization mm-hmm. uh, that they're interviewing with. So if somebody walks in and knows a lot about uh, our organization, has done their homework, it's quite impressive. But also someone who's very sure of themselves, because confidence is really what sells. And, and someone who is really uh, sure of themselves, who really knows their role, knows their expertise, is certainly going to come across as much more qualified, uh, much more comfortable. It's so much, it's not a matter of being nervous, or it's really a matter of comfort. Knowledge is comfort in an interview. So that, to me, is probably one of the most powerful uh, qualities that you can convey as a job seeker is know the organization, know the role, and know the role, how it fits into that organization, I think you would do fine. So there's a difference between confidence and cockiness. And a lot of times people don't know the difference. But what's your take on that, Mike? I mean, does that cockiness turn you off sometime? Or is, is, is it a fine line right there? It really comes down to the individual. Okay. And certainly there, there is a fine line between, you know, cockiness and confidence. Um, I, I think it, it certainly comes out. Uh, you know, cockiness, I think, is a, is a little bit easier to identify. Mm-hmm. And we all want to make sure that we, you know, positively convey our, our expertise, our accomplishments, our successes. But at the same time, we certainly want to show a little bit of humility and, and be a little humble in it as well. Mm-hmm. But certainly I see cases on both sides uh, where we see someone genuinely coming across as confident uh, in, in a professional manner, as opposed to someone who may be sort of blowing their own horn, if you will, and coming across in, in essentially a, in unprofessional manner. So, you know, interviewers are pretty good. Uh, they, they, they can really tell those apart. It's a fine line. I think, again, going back to, have you been able to convey and articulate in a professional way your expertise, your accomplishments, as it relates to the opportunity in the organization that you're interviewing with? I think if you take that approach and you employ that type of methodology, I think you will come across as confident and you know, obviously be an appealing candidate. We've been talking to Mike Bruni. He is one of the masters of the game, one of the masters of talent acquisition and recruiting. And he has given us some wisdom today that I think everybody needs to listen to about the resume, about what's the purpose of the resume, about the dynamics of even the interview and everything else. You listen to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch from Federal News Radio 1500 AM. Thank you for talking about the show. And we'll be back next week. Thank you. You've been listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dortch on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear the entire show or any of our weekly programs anytime at federalnewsradio.com. Fed Access with Derek T. Dortch, only on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com.